Well, hey everyone, it's great to be here with you virtually. Thank you for joining us. And um, man, have you ever um, known someone that is a backseat driver? <laughs> you ever known someone, or maybe today in this culture, we call them a passenger seat driver. They could be that as well. Uh, I'm the worst, especially with my wife, Lori. I mean, she gets out, she's driving, and I do all kinds of things to sort of let her know that I'm getting nervous. You know, I sigh, I jerk a little bit, I reach up and grab this um, arm handle thing in our, in our little Honda, and I grab onto it for dear life. I act like, you know, it's the end of the world. Uh, I'll often like um, tell her, hey, you, you might want to slow down. Uh, when it's windy, I'll say things like, you might want to put both hands on the wheel. Uh, she absolutely hates it when I do this, by the way. Uh, when we're driving along, I'll say like, hey, um, you know, you might want to uh, go ahead. You know, you're clear if you want to move over into the next lane. I mean, I'm terrible. And the truth is, Lori is a great driver. The real issue is this. I have control issues. Can anybody feel me? I got control issues. I like to be at the wheel. And I know a lot of you can relate, which I think it's part of why it makes the day and age that we're living in right now so incredibly frustrating. Because we are in an age, unlike any other time that I remember in my entire life, where we realize we are not at the wheel. We don't know what's coming. We're not sure what's happening. We don't know what's gonna happen with the economy. We're not sure what's gonna happen with the coronavirus. Uh, we're not sure what's gonna happen to friends or family members. We're not even sure what's gonna happen in our own lives with our own health. Uh, we're not sure when we're gonna be able to get back to work. We're not sure when we're gonna get paid again in our lives. We're not sure where the food's gonna come from. We're not sure where the supplies are gonna come from. We're not sure where rent is going to come from. Uh, there are so many unknowns right now. It's crazy when you think about it. Not only that, um, just uh, when you think about how we interact with people, even that's become an unknown. Uh, I saw a friend of mine at uh, the grocery store last week, and as soon as I saw her, I walked in, and uh, we both realized, hey, you know, hi, and, and we started to kind of step, and then you just step back, and you're like, oh, you know, like, we're just all trying to figure this out. People are struggling. Listen, if you are an introvert, you are living your best life in quarantine. I understand. You get your book time, your quiet time even maybe, but you need to know your extrovert friends are not okay, man. They are not okay. Pick the phone up. Call them because they're, they're hurting. There's a lot of unknowns. And in some ways, I think what we're living through right now is this simple reality that for years we made enough money and things were going well enough in our world and in our economy that we basically began to live under an illusion of control. We started to think we were actually driving the car. And then all of a sudden, the coronavirus hits, the whole world stops. And then we realize in that moment what an illusion that was. We're not driving the car. And sometimes in our fear and in our worry, we wonder, is anybody driving the car right now? Who's driving the car right now? And so I want to bring some hope and encouragement to you today. I want to remind you that God is still driving the car. God is still large and in charge. He is going to get us to our destination. We just got to stay the course and settle in. Hey, we're in the passenger seat, friends. Hey, we're in the back seat now. We're not driving but the truth is, we never were driving. We're trusting 
That's what we're doing. We're trusting, and we got to keep trusting. And I want to bring you some hope and encouragement from a famous passage in the Bible in Philippians chapter 4. This is a passage the Apostle Paul wrote at a time where he should have had incredible anxiety in his life because there were so many unknowns. There was so much that he was not in control of. I mean, Paul is basically uh, under arrest. He's awaiting trial in a time and in an era when people would often go bankrupt or even die before they would get to trial. There was no like right to a speedy trial or anything like that. He doesn't know what's going to happen in his future. He doesn't know if he's going to survive in his future. The unknowns are unbelievable. And his sense of power is incredibly low or should have been because not only is he under arrest, not only is he, you know, like just sort of a victim of, of the criminal justice system of the ancient world. Uh, on top of all that, he can't really change anything right now. He can't influence anything right now. His hands are literally tied. But Paul, in the midst of this moment where he feels incredibly, um, or he should feel incredibly vulnerable and incredibly powerless, actually comes across as somebody very self-assured and confident. He's not in control of anything in his life, but he's about to give us some words that have inspired Christians for 2,000 years. Listen, that have helped Christians face plagues and persecution and famine and difficulty and loss and heartache and grief, that have given Christians the courage to stand up under the most unbelievable, incredible circumstances and to keep walking in faith. So put your seatbelt on. Get ready. We're going to bring this up on the screen. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. Paul writing this from a prison kind of situation. And here's what he says. When we get to the highlighter word, I'm just going to ask you to read it out loud, real loud with me at home. He says, don't worry about anything. And then what? Instead... Instead, if you're in the living room with somebody, or if you're in a room with somebody, just turn to them and say, instead. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry. Now, first of all, when you see that, don't worry about anything. I mean, that's, that's kind of crazy talk right there, isn't it? Like, you just kind of want to go, hey, Paul, man, what you smoking, bro? I mean, haven't you looked around? Haven't you seen the news? Haven't you seen what's going on in the world? Don't you know the coronavirus hit? Don't you know the whole world economy is shutting down? Don't you know people are hurting and things are hard? I mean, how dare you tell us not to worry about anything? What's going on for you to even say that? But I think to understand where Paul's coming from, you got to understand a couple words. The first word is instead. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. See, worry at this level, in this time, in this era, is almost like a natural reaction, isn't it? It's just something that, that happens. It's like you can't even stop it. It's just sort of there. It's in the background. And um, instead reminds us that you don't just stop worrying, that when you become conscious that you're worrying, you've got to replace it with something else. And I want to share with you three things that we can replace our worry with in our lives so that we can experience more of God's peace. But the second thing that's important to understand when you're looking at this verse where it says, don't worry about anything, is the sentence right before it, the context right before it. Check this out, Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 5. Say the red word out loud, real loud with me when we get there. It says, the Lord is what? Near. The Lord is near. He's here. The, the phrase could literally be translated at hand. The Lord is at hand. Because the Lord is at hand, 
Don't worry about anything. Because the Lord is at hand, you don't have to live in fear. Because the Lord is at hand, we can take great courage and we can pray about everything. God can give you peace in the midst of your pressure. God can give you peace in the midst of your pressure. The Lord is at hand. He hasn't abandoned you. He's sti still at the wheel. So what can we do to experience more of God's peace moving and working in our lives? Well, i got three simple thoughts for you today. The first one is this, to rely on God's power. To rely on God's power. You know, um, we're living in a, in, a, in a time where a lot of commentators have said it's like we're fighting this invisible enemy. We're in the midst of a war against the coronavirus globally. And we're all sort of trying to figure out what to do and, and how to fight it. And everybody's giving it their best. But you know, wartime dynamics create certain stress dynamics. There was a study done in World War II, and they looked at the anxiety levels of combat soldiers who were on the ground compared to the anxiety levels of fighter pilots who flew in the air. And what they found in their research was fascinating. Combat uh, soldiers who were on the ground had incredible levels of anxiety. I mean, within 60 days, a combat soldier in World War II, in their research, completely shut down emotionally, totally went numb. The anxiety was almost more than they could handle in their lives. Why? Because everything was random. They're on the ground. A bullet could kill you in this second. You could step on a mine in that second. At any moment, your life could be taken from you, and the anxiety just got so bad they emotionally went numb. What's fascinating is the fighter pilots didn't have the same anxiety. 93% of them actually said they were happy to do the job that they were doing for their country, even though 50% of fighter pilots would die in battle. So the, the death rate was astronomically higher if you were a fighter pilot, but the anxiety rate was incredibly lower. And researchers asked, why? How could this happen? Like, what's going on for fighter pilots to have uh, so much diminished anxiety compared to infantrymen and combat soldiers? And what they found was really the recipe of anxiety in our lives. What they found is the reason the fighter pilots didn't have that level of anxiety is because when they got in the cockpit of their planes, they had their hands on the controls. They, fed, they had the perception of being in control, even if they really weren't in control. They, they thought that they had more control over their destiny than the combat soldiers on the ground who just felt like the enemy was, was anywhere, okay, it could happen at any moment, and it just paralyzed them with fear. And so when you think about what we're going through right now, it feels a lot like, with, like that in the sense that, look, the coronavirus is this invisible enemy. It could be everywhere. It could be on your kitchen counter. It could be on your on the glass that you're drinking from. It could be, you know, in a, in a relationship with a friend. It could be anywhere, right? And so the fear and the anxiety begins to ramp up. We're vulnerable, and our sense of power over that is so lowered because we're not sure. We, we, we do all the things the government tells us. We do things people tell us, but, you know, we're not sure if it's going to work. Is it making a difference? We have stories of friends who get sick, and we, you know, we're still trying to figure all of this out. And I think part of what we're wrestling with is just what psychologists came to define as the recipe for anxiety. So here on the screen, I've got two columns. I've got one column with just uh, the scream face emoji. That's going to that's gonna represent for us um, vulnerability. And then over here, I've got 
the flexing arm to represent power. When you have an increased sense of vulnerability and a decreased sense of power, the end result is anxiety. And what we have right now, friends, in our culture, in our world, is incredible vulnerability in, in, in our perception, an incredible decreased sense of power. What the Apostle Paul should have had is he should have had an incredible sense of vulnerability. He's in prison. He's heading for trial. He's not sure what's going to happen. And, and a decreased sense of power, he can't control anything, where he goes, what happens, because he's now kind of a ward of the state as he moves forward in this trial. He's got incredible vulnerability. He's got a lowered sense of power. But you know what he what he what actually happened? He doesn't have anxiety. He has peace because he sees his situation through the eyes of faith. Listen, how you see your situation is as important as the situation itself. How you see what you're going through has everything to do with how you handle what you're going through. And that's what we see Paul doing here. In fact, let's bring up the next slide. Paul, even though he's got all this going on, instead he sees himself as somebody who has a decreased sense of of vulnerability. God's got his back. God's watching his rear guard. God won't abandon him. God's not going to just leave him. God doesn't turn away on his kids. God is with him in the midst of this. And he's got an increased sense of power. He might be a prisoner. He might know, not know what's coming in the future, but he knows that God knows. God's in control. God's moving and working. So it doesn't mean he won't go through hardship. He's in prison when he writes this. It doesn't mean it won't be difficult. It doesn't mean I'll never get the coronavirus. It means no matter what happens in my my life. God's moving and working. I do not have to live with anxiety. I can begin to live with more and more peace in my life, even though my circumstance feels out of control. And that's important for all of us to pause and remember. Look at when Paul describes God's power in the midst of difficulties in our lives, he uses some pretty powerful imagery. Check this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. When we get to the, to the red word, say it out loud here with me. He says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from who? From God, not from ourselves. Our great power is from God, not from ourselves. So he says, you know, God's light shines in our heart. But the problem, friends, is that we're fragile. We're, we're like, you know, broken pottery. We can't hold all that in, all that light, all that power, all that goodness. It leaks. It spills out of us. And he says, so we got we to gotta keep relying on the power of God. And we got to remember who God is in our heart and in our lives. And in fact, the very next sentence, Paul starts to kind of break down what it looks like to uh, rely on God's power. It doesn't make him superhuman like Superman, you know, but relying on God's power gives him the ability to endure incredibly difficult things. So check that out. Very next sentence says this. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles. Can anybody relate to this sentence today right now? You feel like you're pressed right now on every side by trouble. You're pressed by the unknown. You're pressed by work situations. You're pressed by having to live at home with your family. Ah, you're pressed. We get it. We're all pressed on many sides by many troubles. But Paul says, here's what God's power does for you when you're pressed. But we are not crushed. We're vulnerable. But God's power balances it out. And God fills us with his peace. God peace God's peace can exist in the midst of your pressure. We're pressed on every side by troubles. But we're not crushed. All right, let's go to the next sentence. He says, we're perplexed. Anybody perplexed? 
Man, you look at the news, you see all the stuff going on around the world. The government tells us to prepare for tens of thousands more deaths. We hear stories. I'm praying right now for a friend of mine named Jim who's recovering from COVID-19. I have another friend of mine whose wife's currently in uh, home isolation, and they have triplets. Come on, somebody, pray for them. Uh, his name's Justin. And they're trying to navigate all of that right now in their life. And we look around and it's, God, why? Why is this happening? Why are we going through this? Why are we facing this in our lives? We're perplexed. But Paul says, here's the difference God's power makes. We're not driven to despair, right? We're vulnerable, we're perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. Look at the next sentence. He says, uh, we're hunted down. <laughs> Anybody feel hunted down right now? Some of you feel hunted down by your kids, right? Like, like you're trapped at home alone. You got little kids. You lock that bathroom door, and then they just immediately start beating on that door. You are hunted down, right? Some of us are hunted by our past. We're hunted by, uh, you know, our, our, our guilt. Some of us feel hunted by creditors. But through it all, Paul says we're never abandoned by God. God doesn't abandon his kids. God loves his kids. God watches out for his kids. God takes care of his kids. God hasn't abandoned you. Listen, he hasn't forgotten you. He knows your name. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're facing. God watches your rear guard. He goes before you. He goes behind you. He is beside you. The Lord does not abandon his kids, and he has not abandoned you. And then Paul says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. He says, we get knocked down. Oh, man. A lot of us have been knocked down in the last few weeks. But here's the difference. God's power, we're not destroyed. So listen, we're vulnerable. We're pressed. We're perplexed. We're hunted. We're knocked down. This is where Paul was. This is where, how, where we are right now. But we're not crushed. We don't have despair. We're not abandoned. We're not destroyed because we have the power of God in our lives. you got to keep relying on God's power in your life. Listen, God has power over every problem that you are currently under. God has power over the restrictions that make you feel powerless. God has power over over the loss of income that makes you feel penniless. God has power over the issue that makes you feel worthless. He's got power over the wound that makes you feel hurt. He's got power over the voices that make you feel insignificant. He's got power over the critic in you that makes you feel defenseless. He's got power over the isolation that makes you feel lonely. He's got power over the news that makes you feel helpless. He's got power over the failures that make you feel useless. God has power over the quarantine that feels like it is going to go on forever. <laughs> he is still large and in charge, even when we're pressed, perplexed, hunted, and knocked down. In fact, when you look through the Bible, one of the things that we see again and again is the importance of names. Names matter. God's name especially matters. And I just went through the Bible and captured many of the names used to describe God, to remind us of the power that God has that can move and work in the midst of our weakness. Listen to the names that we see of God in the Bible, because names mean a lot. Look, he's called the mighty one. He's called the Lord. He's the ruler, the supreme might, the Lord of the angel armies. He's the God who sees, the God who heals. He's the God who perfects. He's your peace, your rock, your 
stronghold. He's your redeemer, your comforter, your rescuer. He's the God who's ever-present, the God who's available. He's the wonderful, mighty counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is the Holy One. He's the Tower of Strength, the Ruler, the King of Glory. He's the Ancient of Days, the Father of Light. He's the Father of Mercy and the God of all comfort. He's the Savior of all. He's the Good Shepherd. He's the Faithful Witness. He's the Bright Morning Star and the Lion of Judah. He's the Lamb of God, the author and perfecter of faith. He's the head over all things. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the door. He's the life. He's the servant. He's the advocate. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the first. He's the last. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the king of all the rulers of the earth. That's who our God is. And hang on to that when you aren't sure where your strength's going to come from. Because look, you are not as vulnerable as the news may make it look like you are. I don't mean to the virus. I mean to anxiety. You are not as vulnerable to random circumstance as the situation may make it seem that you are. Because God is working in your heart and in your life. And God is moving. And he has power. Rely on his power. And then turn your cares into prayers. Turn your cares into prayers. The thing about uh, care and worry right now is, man, it just feels like uh, you, can, you can consciously try to fight against it, but you can't stop it from, from, from happening. It just happens. It's like uh, I went to the gas station, and uh, I, I reached out, gassed my car up, and after I gassed my car up, I got in my car, and all I could think about was, don't touch your face. Just don't touch your face. Don't touch your face. I, you know, I'm just gassed up, you know, and I'm in my car. I didn't have my, my uh, hand sanitizer. So I'm driving along. Don't touch your face. And, and I'm telling you, my eyes start itching, right? And you got to have this, my, my nose start, you know, it's twitching. And it's just like my face. And I kept reaching up to scratch. And I have to, I catch myself right there. I'm like, stop, 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 stop. Don't touch your face. It's like an Olympic effort to get to the hand sanitizer. And that's how it feels like right now with worry. I mean, Paul says, don't worry about anything. What? You know, like, don't touch your face. You know, all of a sudden, it's like right there. We're thinking about it. We're processing it. So here's what I've been learning to do in my own life. This is what I've been trying to process, which is every time I become aware that I'm worrying, and I often don't think about it until I'm already doing it, right? And then I realize I'm worrying. Every time I become aware that I'm worrying, I want to turn that care into a prayer, I want to take that worry and I want to give it to God. In fact, that's a recipe for peace in our lives, to turn our cares into prayers. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. We'll bring it up here on the screen. Help me out on the red words. It says, tell God what you what? Need. Tell God what you need and what? Thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Tell God what you need. And thank him. So first, tell him what you need. You know, I was out serving in our pop-up food pantries um, this past week, and it's just been such an amazing experience. But when I pulled up to this particular food pantry, the cars had been lined up for hours, hundreds and hundreds of cars. We actually doubled that day um, how many people we were serving food. And I could tell it was going to be like that, just trying to get into the, to the pop-up food pantry area. And seeing all those cars lined up and having worked now um, in these pop-up food pantries, knowing that I was going to not only get to encourage people and bless people, but I was going to see a lot of friends. 
going to see people that attend our church in line to get food. I was going to see people that I have known and loved for years in line to get food. People who are facing real need and real fear, and they aren't sure where their next meal is coming from. They're not sure how they're going to get through the situation that they're facing. And I had a moment just driving past all of these cars and thinking about all of that need, and, and I just I started to worry. Because I remember sitting there, I started to cry, and just privately had a little moment. And I remember thinking, like, how, how are we going to feed all these people? How, how are we going to sustain this? How are we going to be able to keep going? Uh, what if this goes on and on? What, what could this mean for the future, right? All the places we try to go in the future that we can't control. And then I had to stop myself, and I had to take that worry and take that concern and turn it into a prayer. And I was still sitting in my car, and I just said, God, you're the provider. You're the one who knows. We live one day at a time. I believe you will take care of our friends and family in our cities. I believe you will work in the hearts and lives of people. And I believe the church will step up, and we will give, and we will serve, and we will do what Whatever it takes to see the needs of our community met. God, I believe that you are going to work even in the middle of this difficult situation. And then I wiped my tears off and I got out of my car. Come on, somebody. I put my servant face on and I went out and I loved on some people and I encouraged people and I found courage while I encouraged other people. Not only that, it was an amazing day, this particular day, because you can't always choose what food we get that we can distribute and deliver. Like one time we had canned pink salmon. Uh, but this particular day, we had Pop-Tarts and we had Fruit Loops. Best of all, we had Girl Scout cookies. So, man, every kid that came by my line got extra Girl Scout cookies. Don't, don't tell anybody. That's my little secret. God just shows me. He just reminded me he will provide one day at a time. He's promised us food for today. He's promised us sustenance for today. And we're going to hang on to that one day at a time. Turn your cares into prayers. I know you may be worried about your friends, your family, your work, your future, your job, what's coming, what's in the, what's, you know. But listen, just turn it all into prayer and take it one day at a time and let God handle it. Not only turn your cares into prayers, my other thought is this. Flip your, uh, your grumbling, <laughs> uh, flip your grumbling into gratitude. Flip your grumbling into gratitude to gratitude in your life. And I think that's important because, man, right now, you know, we can choose how we face the day. You never complain your way into a better mood. Look, gratitude is the gateway to joy. So Paul, basically, what he said, if we remember the scripture that we read, he said, uh, he said, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. We got to give thanks. Look, each day you have a choice. You get up in the morning and you grumble about being stuck at home. Well, you can flip it and you can give thanks that you have a home. Come on, you can grumble that someone ate the last bit of peanut butter, or you can flip it, and you can give thanks for the cornflakes in the back of the pantry. Look, you can grumble about having to get on a Zoom meeting, or you can flip it and give thanks that no one can see you from the waist down. You can wear your pajama bottoms if you want to. You can grumble that the toilet paper has run out, or you can flip it and give thanks that you saved all those Chipotle napkins in the junk drawer. Look, you can grumble, that you can go in uh, to a situation and, uh, and feel like you're lonely and isolated, or you can flip it and give thanks for the people who are around you. Look, you can give thanks for the people that are working as medical workers, as delivery drivers, as first responders, as supermarket staff, our police, our fire, amazing individuals. You can grumble 
that the shelves are half empty. Or you could flip it and you could give thanks that the shelves are half full. Come on, somebody. Look, you can grumble that life is not going according to your plans. Or you can flip it and give thanks for the gift of life and the gift of health in a time when so many are struggling. Look, you can make yourself miserable. Listen, or you can make today memorable. It's your choice. You can make yourself miserable or you can make today memorable. Flip your grumbling into gratitude. Turn your prayers into cares. God will show up in a huge way as you do. Third area is simply this. Filter your thoughts. Filter your thoughts. There's a lot coming at us today. And some of it's actually pretty funny. And I think we all need to keep laughing, not because the situation we're facing uh, isn't serious. It's incredibly serious, and we take it seriously. But we need to keep laughing precisely because it is so serious. It's how we cope and how we keep moving forward. I saw some funny things on, uh, on Twitter this week. I thought I'd just share a few of these uh, with you. One person says this, I've reached that point in quarantine where I've been informed that I am the loudest cereal eater in the world. Anybody have somebody like this in your family? Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's right, yes. All right, let's look at this. One person says, at least it's Friday. <laughs> Me in quarantine on a Wednesday. Got to love that, right? All right, last one. I had to fake an injury to get out of doing some of the chores I promised my wife I'd do as soon as I had the time. I think there's a lot of injury faking going on right now in our culture. Look, we got to filter some of the thoughts that are coming in. In fact, Paul puts it this way in the very next verse, Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 8. Help me out on the highlighted word. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. What? Fix. You see that? Fix or focus your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Paul's saying, look, we got to filter. we got to fix our minds, fix our thoughts on what is most important. We need to fix them on what's true. Yes, we need to be informed. We need to take in enough of the news to know what's going on. We need to follow best practices. We need to take the coronavirus seriously. We need to stay home at all possible. If at all possible, we can. But we also need to monitor how much we're taking in. Let me tell you something. If you're sitting around all day, every day, reading the latest article about the coronavirus, you are going to start losing your mind. Because let me tell you something. Nobody really knows, right? One expert has his opinion, and the next expert has his opinion, and the next expert has their opinion. And the truth is, only God knows when it will end, what it will take, what the summer seasonality will do to it. Like, only God knows those things. So at some point, you and I are better off to just step back from all of that and say, I need to be aware and I need to know, but I got to monitor how much of that I'm letting into my heart and into my life. Listen, what you allow into your life will greatly influence what you get out of your life. You want to get peace, you want to get joy, you want to get love, then you got to bring peace, joy, and love into your life through God's word and God's love, through community and people. You got to get around good things. You got to filter your thoughts and get intentional. Focus on what's excellent and what's worthy of praise. Look, there's a lot of people out there and they have a lot of different opinions. But most of them, it's opinions, even if it's educated opinions. And so I'm trying to monitor how much news I take in. And I'm trying to balance it with how much of God's word I bring in. With how much of faith I bring in and joy and love and community and good things to fill my life and to fill yours. Filter your thoughts. Back to... 
I saw one story that I thought was just so powerful this week that reminded me that we can turn our cares into prayers, that we can rely on God's power. And it reminded me that we're not alone. It reminded me that, that I could uh, essentially filter my thoughts, and this is a good one to focus on. It's about a medical team in Cartersville, uh, Georgia, at the medical center there. They were one of the early hospitals to treat people with COVID-19. And at one point, uh, they had um, treated a lot of people. One particular member of a local church there had gotten sick and had passed away. And so the people rallied, and they got the community together, and they all pulled into the hospital parking lot. We'll bring his picture up on the screen. So like 800 people pulled in to the, the Cartersville Medical Center parking lot. They all tuned their radios to a, a, a predetermined radio station where they played a couple different worship songs and all of these people stayed in their cars. They never got out of their cars, but they showed up to pray for all of the first responders and medical individuals who were literally saving people's lives. And what was so amazing is what you see is the medical staff that were able to start coming up on the roof. And what you hear blaring is the song Waymaker, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, right? Light in the darkness. God, that is who you are. That is who you are. And it reminded us, and if there's some pictures of these medical staff, they have their hands in the air, they're worshiping. Look, the, the, the situation we're facing in many ways feels out of control, but we put our trust in the God who is in control, and we pray that he will move and work. And I want to encourage you, pray every day for our first responders, for our grocery store workers, for our truck drivers, for people who are serving, for our medical uh, personnel around our world, people who are putting themselves in danger on a regular basis to help heal other people. Pray for them and lift them up. Listen, we need a miracle. We need God to move. And if we will rely on his power, if we in our lives will turn our hearts to him, if we'll turn our, our cares into prayers, and if we will filter our thoughts, it is a pathway for us to experience peace. You can experience peace even in the midst of the pressure. So maybe you're here today and maybe you've never really crossed the line of faith in your life. And if that's where you're at, I'd love to just give you an opportunity to reach out to God and to ask him to move and work in your life, to bring uh, healing and, and to bring peace because that's what he wants to bring into your life. The Bible tells us that if we'll place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if we'll believe that he died on the cross for our sins and rose again, that we will be saved, that we will receive the gift of eternal life, that we'll be reminded that no matter what we're facing in our lives, we're not facing it alone. God is with us. He'll forgive us our sins. He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all of our bad past mistakes. He'll set us up to live a new life. He'll decrease our sense of vulnerability. Listen, he'll increase our sense of power. He'll lower our sense of anxiety and he will fill us with peace. You know what Paul calls God in Philippians chapter four, right after this sentence I just read at the end, he calls him the God of peace. See, God is the God of peace. And he wants to give you peace today in your life. So if you're ready to take that step of faith in your life, if you're ready to open your heart to Jesus Christ and trust him with all that you are, I just wanna encourage you to bow with me wherever you're at and close your eyes and just repeat this simple prayer after me to open your heart to God. You can say it either out loud or just in your own heart and mind. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. 
Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you in Christ's name. Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air wherever you're at today. Just acknowledge that you're going to reach out to God in your life. Just slip your hand in the air and place your faith and your trust in him. God, I thank you for each person around the world reaching out to you right now, many for the very first time. I pray that you will show up and move and work in each of their lives, bring forgiveness and healing and hope. God, do a miracle in our lives. We pray for our world. We pray for the situation that we're in, and we trust you in the midst of it. And I pray for each person reaching out to you that you fill them with your love, your joy, and your peace right now. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you guys.
powerful worship song that was. And I'm so thankful we have a God like that. And what an amazing message from our pastor, Judd. And if you were one who raised your hand and said, yes, I want to follow Jesus, we want to help you take a next step. Just go to your web browser and type the word central.family, central.family. It'll take you to a page. Click the link, I raised my hand. And there we have a free resource we want to send to you that will help you understand all that God is doing in your life right now. Yes, and while you're at central.family, there's now an active link. You can just click connect with a pastor. If you want to get more involved, maybe you made that decision or you did not, you just have more questions. You'd love to speak with a pastor, learn more about Central, learn more about what it is you just watched. You can do so by clicking the active link, connect with a pastor on central.family. Yeah, and several times throughout this experience, you heard all about how you can experience hope, how you can share hope, how you can give hope to others. So if you want to get involved in experiencing sharing or giving hope, go to hopeforthecity.tv to do so. Hey, don't forget, coming up this Friday, we have our Good Friday experience you do not want to miss. And then right after on Saturday and Sunday, we are celebrating big time, the greatest moment in history. That's right, in the middle of this pandemic, you can stop and celebrate Easter. We have 15 experiences. Go to easteratcentral.com. Well, as we approach Easter this week, we just hope that you have a good week, a great week. But no matter what kind of week we have, we want you holding on to Romans 8 with us. And that is, says, if God is for us, who who can can be be against against us? us? We'll see you Friday.